Well, good morning, everyone. It's so great to see you here. I'm going to step over here right now and take just a moment. This is a pastoral advertisement for us here. We have a midweek Bible study that we have. It's a midweek open Bible study. It's on Thursday mornings at 11 o'clock, and it has been referred to as the midweek senior adult Bible study. It is structured for senior adults. It's set that way. It's attended by senior adults primarily, but it is open to the church. So if you are available on Thursday mornings at 11 o'clock, between 11 and noon, and you would like to come and participate in a midweek Bible study, you will be welcomed by the seniors in the study. We've talked about it. They're fine with that. We'd like to grab you in. It's not so. It's the midweek open Bible study designed for seniors open to the, open to the congregation. We do a lot of review of Sunday morning's message, and that's the primary structure. We were reviewing the primary message. We take prayer requests. We sing. We have fellowship. It's a great time. But there's also a time for other questions and, and, and just scripturally just to, just to share and to, to, to have fellowship one with another in the middle of the week, more Bible study going forward. So if you're available on Thursday mornings at 11 o'clock, come meet us downstairs and you'll be welcomed. I can guarantee it. All right, so as we get into our study of 1 John, as we continue along here, um, we're getting towards the end of the first book of first, uh, well, that would be 1 John. We're getting to the end of the book, and, and John turns like we often do. His, this is a letter to his little children, to his congregation, more or less, if you, if you look at it that way. The seven churches right around where, he's, where he is, and he's talking to them. So he's preaching to them. He's, he's exhorting them. So towards the end of this letter, it's very often like our, like our preaching, our sermon times come, the exhortations start to come in. So we're seeing a little bit more of John starting to apply what he's been telling them, a little exhortation to them going forward. So we're going to, he's continuing to talk about love. We talked about from the very beginning that this whole book is just a, a movement of John through God is love, God is life, just all these things intertwined together. And John re- reviews and reviews. It's, it's not a very structural letter like you, would, like you would put out. John was not an engineer. So John spoke and he spoke, and it's not disjointed, but it just rolls around as, as it goes. Through. So we're going to see the application today, and the application starts to get to faith. It's about love, but love and faith being so intertwined together. And we're going to see as that goes along how intertwining love and faith is. But the upshot of it is that there's victory. There's victory to be had. It, the um, world has been overcome. Victory in Jesus, and we share in that. So we're going to see that today. So what we're going to see this morning through the reading of God's Word, and hopefully we're going to be able to, to see that together, is four ways that you as believers can experience victory. Four different ways we can experience victory is what we're hoping to, hoping when you leave today, you'll, be able to, you'll have that at stand. So if you will stand with me out of respect and honor for the reading of God's Word, we're going to read our passage this morning, which is in 1 John chapter 5, verses 1 through 5. 1 John chapter 5, verses 1 through 5. Whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. And whoever loves the father loves the child born of him. By this we know that we love the children of God 
when we love God and observe his commandments. For this is the love of God that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not burdensome. For whatever is born of God overcomes the world and this is, a vic- this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is the one who overcomes the world but he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? Join with me as I pray. Our Father in heaven, we do pray that, that you open our hearts and our eyes to hear you speak this morning. And Father, our, our prayer is that you just move me aside. You can use my physical words to come out of my mouth. But Father, we know that your spirit is here, that you are here in this building to meet with your body. You come to meet with your children that you've called to be Bull Street Baptist Church, that you've called to be in this room this morning and, and provided for us. We know that you're here to to receive our praise and our worship and our adoration. And Father, you are worthy of it all. So this morning we come and we want to draw closer to you through a study of what you have to say to us. We pray that our hearts are clean, that we can hear what you have to say for us, that we can tuck it away in our hearts and we can find a way to apply that and that you will be honored and glorified through our application of your word in our life. And all these things we pray and ask in the holy and precious name of your son, Jesus. Amen. Okay, you can be seated. So we're looking first at how we can experience victory. We can experience victory in believing in Jesus. And believing in Jesus has two parts. We have to know who to believe, and we have to know what to believe. So John continues this theme through the book, this theme of love, to his little children. He's telling about God's love but he shifts to this emphasis on the faith, the faith and belief, which are are inseparable from love. So in verse 1, the focus of our faith faith is twofold. So we see in verse 1, whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God, and whoever loves the Father loves the child born of him. So who to believe in but Jesus? Only Jesus. Jesus is sufficient for all that we need. He's our savior. He's our redeemer. Our faith comes upon salvation. And in that salvation, we see Christ for who he is. We see him for for the fact that he is sufficient for all of our needs. So we're not believing in, in John here or we're not following Paul. We don't follow Peter. We don't follow anybody else. We're not listening to our pastors, our aunts and our uncles. We listen, we learn, but we follow one person. We believe in one person, and that's Jesus Christ. John Piper writes this, talking about our new birth. John Piper says, The most immediate and decisive work of God in the new birth is that the new life he creates sees the superior value in Jesus over all else. And with no lapse of time at all, this spiritual sight of the superior value of Jesus results in receiving Jesus as the treasure that he is. That is faith, receiving Jesus for all he is because our eyes have been opened to see his truth and beauty and worth. At that salvation, we are are able to see, and that's where our eyes are open. We see that we're a sinner. We see our sin. We see our need for sin. Prior to that time, we don't really see, we don't recognize that we're sinners. We, We just don't recognize it. But upon that salvation, that gift, one of the gifts of God it gives us is to be able to see ourselves as sinners. 
and we see God for who he is, a perfect and a holy God, and that difference is just devastating. But immediately we see that God has provided a redeemer. He's provided a savior that we need, and we recognize that savior to be Jesus Christ. And we recognize him for all that he is. And we have given, we're given as a gift, that faith to believe in him. And that faith we receive is what allows us to, to believe. And so it's that faith that we receive to believe in Jesus that allows us to have, to experience this victory. And you'll notice we're going to talk about experiencing victory all along. We're not going to talk about how we gain victory. We're not going to talk about how, how we work for our victory. We are just experience the victory that Christ has already, already accomplished. So this is not of our own. This is not merit of ourselves. We get to experience the victory of Christ and get to buy into that. So that's one of the ways we do is, is by believing in Jesus. So that's who we believe in. But what are we to believe about Jesus? Jesus is the Christ, born of God, okay? Jesus is Christ. He's the Messiah. He's the anointed one. And we see all through this first John, we see what we're to believe. In chapter 1, verse 1, we see that Jesus is the word of life. In chapter 2, verses 1 and 2, we see that Jesus is our advocate. He's our atonement, okay? In verse 4, chapter 2, we see he has come in the flesh. He's fully man and fully God. He's come to us. We see in chapter 4, verse 10, that he is the propitiation for our sins. He is the substitute and the payment for that sin. And so we don't have to pay that for ourselves because the wages of sin is death. And we were destined for death. But Jesus is that substitute, the propitiation. We see in chapter 4, verse 14, we see that Jesus is God's son. No doubt, no question, Jesus is God's son and continuing in verse 14, we see that Jesus is the Savior of the world. That's what we're to believe. And in believing these things through the faith given by God, we experience the victory over the world. That's what we're saying. So this is not just a theme of John that he comes up with. It's throughout the Bible. We see Peter's words recorded in Matthew. Matthew chapter 16, verse 16, Peter says, You are the Christ. And in answer to who, who, do, people, who do you say that I am? says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. So that's who we're to believe in, and that's what we're to believe about Jesus. And our belief, we talked about a couple weeks ago, this belief is not just words. It's our confession. It's, it's all-encompassing of who we are. Even the demons, the unclean spirits, recognized who Christ is. So this is not just a recognition of, of who Christ is. This is placing our belief in that our belief in who Christ is, those things we just talked about, that's what we're to believe, we place our trust in that. That's what we build our life on. So it's, it's, it's who we are as believers, as children of God. We place that trust in Christ, that Christ is the Son of God and that he's our Redeemer, our Savior, okay? So that victory comes, the victory is ours. We participate in that by believing in Jesus, Okay, that gift of faith allows us to do that. So another way that we can experience victory is by loving others. Okay, so God's command, we're to call to be loved others. All throughout the Bible, and especially here in 1 John, we see that this faith and love, this concept of faith and love comes together. And they're, they're basically inseparable. You can't have one without the other. So they're, they're inseparable, but they're not the same. 
We'll get some false teaching today, probably before, but I know we have this today. There are some false teaching that will tell you that faith in Christ and love for His people are combined together. So people will want to teach you that faith, the faith in Christ and loving God are not just inseparable, but they're basically two components of the same thing. So that what they want you to believe is that faith is not really faith, it's being faithful. So people today will, will misconstrue the faith that we're given as a free gift and say that, that's really being faithful. So if you are being faithful and loving others, then, then, that's, then that's good. That's what you're called to do, and that's, that tells you you're, you're a, a child of God. But that's not what the Bible says. That's not what God says, all right? There's faith in Christ, and then there's love for the people that follows from that. And those are inseparable, but they're not indistinguishable. They are separate. They're so close together. We see in John, 1 John chapter 3, verse 23, this is the commandment, singular, that we believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another just as he has commanded us. We believe in Jesus Christ and we love one another. That order, that causality is very important. It's critical to go along. We know who Christ is, we believe in Christ, and out of that, out of that we love others. We're not we, can't, we don't judge our love of God by our love of others. It, it just flows from that. So that's, that's the false teaching is it just, it, instead of the faith given to be able to do this, it's a matter of being faithful. So what that sets you up for is when you fail to love somebody, then you question your faith. And that's not, that's not where we need to be. Okay, we'll get to that in a minute. But this idea that, that, there, that love and, and belief are inseparable, that we're called to love others. Um, so as we know, as you've experienced, there, there are times when you, when you don't love as you ought, okay? So you know that, you feel that, your heart convicts you of that, but what you don't want is your heart to condemn you as far as are you really saved. We don't want you to be able to question your, question your salvation based on your love. Your, we don't want you to feel like, well, if I'm not loving my neighbors, maybe I'm not saved. You don't lose that salvation, okay? Your love can waver for other people, and that's what we're looking at. When your love wavers for others, you don't experience the victory, but it's not because you're not saved, okay? So we want to be able to put those two correlation, correlate those back together. We experience the victory by loving others, Okay, your love may waver, but your salvation is always going to be secure. So who are we to love? Well, first, we're to love God. We're to love the Father. Um, it's pretty clear. Our love for the Father is really a natural love for, for from that moment of salvation, the faith we're given. We see who God is. We see that we serve a holy, supreme, merciful uh, all the attributes of God we can walk through. We can't imagine the depth of those attributes. That's who we, that's who we have. And, and this is our father. He's adopted us into his family. We're his children. So even, even on earth, even with broken, sinful, earthly parents, we have a natural urge to love our parents. That natural urge is there. Even broken 
parents, how much more so with a perfect father are we drawn to that love? That love is not hard. It's not hard to love God. When you know God and you are known by him, that love is a natural flowing back and forth. The world doesn't get it. But we're not talking about the world. We're talking about believers. I'm talking to you right now. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you're a child of God. That love of God is not very hard. It's, it's pretty natural to go forward. And as an offshoot of that, loving the Savior is the same way. Loving Jesus is that same way. When we really look at who Jesus is, what he's done for us, how could you do anything but love him as a believer? And that's where we, that's where we are. The love of the Father the love of the son, those are pretty easy, pretty natural loves for us. But he doesn't stop there. We're to love, let's see. We're to love the children of God, not just the child born of him, but not just Jesus, but our brothers and sisters. So we're to love each other, okay? That's where it gets a little sticky sometimes, doesn't it? our love for each other as we recognize. We recognize when we fall short of that, that's where we're falling short of experiencing the victory of Christ. This example, we have great examples throughout the Bible of of how Jesus and how God loves us, okay? We see great examples of Jesus loving us and we're called to be Christ-like. So one of the best examples of of Jesus' love is, is his dying on the cross for our sin not just some sin, for my sin. We give a great example. If you, if you sit and ponder on that a little bit, um, we talked about it last Thursday morning, as a matter of fact, that Jesus was dying on the cross through the most horrific physical death that you can imagine. The things that were put on him before he even went to the cross, just physically as a man, to, 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 to be in that much pain, to be that beaten to be that broken on the cross for us and in that process he was able to look to his side and there at his side was another thief on a cross who deserved to die there and that that thief through the experience of the holy spirit recognized christ as lord recognized his need for a savior recognized his sin repented through the faith in christ was saved on the cross right there. And Jesus, in that state of not even being able to breathe, being beaten, being nailed to the cross, was able to raise up and pull in enough breath to assure this this child of God that he was saved and that that day he would be with him in paradise. That's the love that Christ has for us, each one of us. That's the love we're to have for each other. Okay, that's where our exhortation is going to come from here today. Experience that victory by loving others the way Christ loved you. It's easy words to say, we're to love each other as Christ loved us. Until we start to examine how deep was Christ's love for us. And we're to love other people that way. So that's a way to experience victory over the world. The world doesn't love this way. The world is built on loving self. And sometimes that love of self spreads out to do good things. Sometimes people in the world are able to do good things for others, but it's not out of a love of the Father. It's just out of a, a moral feeling or, or what, they, you know, what I can get out of that. So true love, true joy all comes from Christ. So this is the true love that we're going to see is that Christ loved us that much. This love 
we're to have for our brothers and sisters, people that are also born again of Christ, is to be that sacrificial, that unconditional, that eternal love. And by loving our brothers in this way, we are fulfilling God's command. God's command called us to do this. We, we do it out of obedience, but we do it through the Spirit loving, loving through us, okay? So we're to see each other in a different light. We're to love, love each other that way. We're to love everyone that way, but we're especially to love our brothers and sisters who we'll spend eternity with going forward. So if you say that you love God, but you don't love your brothers, the love of God is not in you. It's just words. So that's another way we can experience victory is by loving others, loving God, loving the Father, loving the Son, and loving His, loving his children, our brothers and sisters. So a third way that we can experience this victory is by obeying God, okay? This obedience that John is talking about is in God's commands. It's a commands to love God and love your neighbor. Those are pretty simple sounding. That's what we're called to do. So we've been discussing this love for the brothers going forward. That demonstrates our love for God. It's not a prerequisite. When we love our brothers, it's because God loved us. And that just shows that we acknowledge that. It shows that faith, this love of our brothers, this love of other people, includes our desire to point people to Christ. Okay, so... When we love our neighbors around us who are lost, we'll point them to the gospel. We're pointing them to something different going forward. When we love our brothers, we're called to disciple our brothers and sisters. That's another way that we can experience the victory that Christ has already won is by raising up our brothers and sisters. We, we disciple one another. We allow ourselves to be discipled by somebody else. We're always striving to be more Christ-like. We're striving to grow. Through faith, we're justified, but we're sanctified through our life, and one day we'll be glorified. So in this process of sanctification, we rely on each other. God works through our brothers and sisters. We disciple one another. We bring young Christians along and, and, and feed them what they need to be fed. And more mature Christians need to be fed the Word also. So we all, we all have a... We owe a debt to each other to continue to edify, to lift up, to build up. And that's another way that we're able to love one another is by doing that. But God has called us out of obedience to do that, and we do it joyfully out of obedience. And that's one of the things we do. We obey God's command is to love one another. So we're doing that. God's commands are a blessing to us, okay? The world doesn't understand how we can give up of self for somebody else. We're called to love unconditionally. So there are times when we give up our freedom. We give up our Christian liberty because it helps a brother or sister along. Okay? We don't have to give up those liberties, but we do. And that's one of the ways where we love other people. So the world looks at, why are you doing that? And they, the world sees our community and says, oh, look at all the rules they have. Look at that they're put upon. These are not things that are that are that God's commands are not rules that hold us down or they actually free us up. Obeying God tells him that I love him, okay? And it's out of our love of the Father that we want to obey his commands. That, that's the natural flow of it. We're not, 
we don't get counted by, our love doesn't get counted out of our obedience. The obedience comes out of our love. So obeying God sets us free. We're not enslaved to the sin. We're not enslaved to other, other, other options. It's our pleasure to choose to obey. That's our natural bent when we become children of God is to do what God has called us to do. So we don't have to guess what we're supposed to do to please God. You know, in a works-based religion, you got to really work at it. And you got to kind of wonder, am I doing the right work? In a, in, in a faith-based religion that Jesus Christ provides all this, we're given God's commands. We're to love God and love one another. We know what we're supposed to do. So we don't have to guess. God's, God's commands to us are blessings to us. And obeying God is, is just, it's what we desire to do. The Holy Spirit residing in our hearts, that's what we desire to do. Okay, we're made in God's image and we have the same urges and God loves us so much. We're, we're, we have that love within ourselves. So God's, obeying God is just, is a, it's a blessing for us. It goes forward. And it's not burdensome, okay? Loving God the Father, loving Jesus who died for us on the cross, loving his children, our brothers and sisters who are adopted by God, these things, the Holy Spirit works in us, these are easy things. They're not burdensome. They're not a, they're not a trouble. Knowing who we are, it's not, it's fun to love one another, okay? We let things get in the way. We'll, we'll, we'll get to that in our exhortation. There are things, things do get in the way, but his way is easy, okay? God is not, he's, he's promised us that he's not gonna call us to do something and not empower us or equip us to do that. God doesn't set a high hurdle and say, let's see if they can get to that. God calls us to do things and he gives us the power to do that. That's the Holy Spirit living in our hearts. So if we're called to love one another, we can love one another and, and we'll have that. This broken world gets in the way, our the remnant of our sin nature gets in the way, but those are just things in the way. They're not obstacles, okay? They're just things we can get past. So Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 to 30, God says to us, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. If you feel a burden to love the brothers and sisters, you probably need to ask why. Why is it, why is it burdensome to love your brothers and sisters? If you're finding struggles with anything in your life, following the commandments of God, you probably need to ask why. Come to Jesus, place that burden on him, He's already won the victory. These are not things we're, we're, that are in doubt. He has won the victory. We're his adopted children. We participate in that victory. We can experience this overcoming. We experience this victory in Christ, and these are the ways we do it. And if we're not experiencing that victory, we need to ask why. And we need to go back to the basics and look back where we are. So loving other people, loving God, loving the Father, they're all ways to do it. Obeying his commands, those are ways to experience the victory. Just simple obedience of God. It's easy. God loves us. He's not going to ask us to do something we don't want to do. But we let things get in the way, so we need to be able to, to recognize that. And the fourth way we want to experience victory today, we want to talk about it, is by overcoming the world. Okay? 
In verses 4 and 5, God talks of overcoming three different times, and he talks about the world. This is what we have victory over, this world. This word, the overcoming word, nikeo, is basically translated as victory, to conquer, to gain victory, to overcome, and that's what we're called to do, okay? And like we said, God's not going to call us to do something that we can't do. He's powered us to do that because he's already done the, done the conquering. In Revelation, John is writing to the seven churches in Revelation. If you'll go and read that later today, you'll see that in each of those seven churches, he has specific, specific calls to them, specific things they're doing right, doing well, doing wrong, what they need to work. But he ends each little section talking to the churches as encouraging them, admonishing them to be overcomers overcome the world in, the, in, the different, in various different ways. So each of the churches, we're all called to overcome. So that's what it is. But what, what are we called to overcome? We're all called to overcome this world. And if you'll recall, a couple weeks ago, we talked about 1 John chapter 2 and verses 15 to 17. 1 John chapter 2, verses 15 to 17. Do not love the world, nor the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the boastful pride of life is not from the Father, but it's from the world. The world's passing away, and also it's lust, but the one who does the will of God lives forever. So the world we're talking about is those lusts of the eyes and lusts of the flesh, the forces of the world that have to be overcome. We see in verse 16, the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eye, and the pride of possession. That can all be summed up as the desires for, we have these desires for the things we don't have, and we have pride in the things that we do have. Okay? That's what we're to overcome. This desire to have the things we don't and the pride that we have the things to do. Um, these these lusts of the flesh, this pride of life, that's what gets in our way of loving God and loving each other. So that is what we're to overcome. That's what we're called to be overcomers of. That's what we're called to partake in that Jesus has already overcome. But how do we do that? Okay, we're going to see in verse 5, it kind of all ties back together, circles back to verse 1. We must be, you must be born of God and you must believe in Jesus. Okay, we can't, we won't do it on our own. We must be born again, okay? The Holy Spirit works through us for this victory. Christ on the cross, his resurrection, defeated. Defeated Satan, defeated sin, defeated evil. Christ is victorious. And when we were adopted as his children, as his brothers and sisters through our salvation, the righteousness of Christ was imbued upon us so that we can come to the Father's throne. We can, we can worship the Father and he can look upon us with the righteousness of Christ put upon us. But the victory that Christ experienced over death, over sin, was also imputed to us. We have that victory already. So that victory over the world is what we're to do. So it's through this being born again that we adopt that into ourselves in this rebirth, we're given this faith to see that, and it's the faith in believing that is how we overcome the world. It's that, ex it's that exercise of faith that we're able to confess the truth that Jesus is the Son of God, and that's what's spelled out. That, that marks us as believers, being able to truly confess that Jesus is the Son of God. He's our Savior. We love Him, and He, and he saved us. Okay? And it's all through faith that we're able to exercise these things. So 
it's not of our own, but we have the faith to know that it's been imbued, imbued, imbued to us already. So we already have the victory. Don't look for it. We already have it. Participate, experience it. And when you're not experiencing it, you have to ask why, and you go back to your faith. Are you having faith? Do you, are you exercising your faith to, to take part in the victory over the world? So my application, our exhortation today, is going to be centered around two things. First of all, live like a conqueror, okay? Live like you've conquered the world. Live like it. Um, we were adopted at the cross. We were adopted and saved, and that victory on the cross was, was given to us. Live like that. Don't fear the world. There's no fear of the world here. We, have, we are victors in Christ. We have eternity in heaven to spend together. We're going to do that. Live that way. Enjoy that. We're going to struggle. There's a, this world is, is full of struggle, no doubt. We live in the midst of a broken world. We have that remnant of the sin nature that's always hanging around us. We always kind of fall back to that sin nature a little bit. We go back to where we used to be comfortable, but where we shouldn't be comfortable now. But we do sin, and we have that. It, it's not, I'm not trying to say it's, it's all pie in the sky. It's not all easy. But we have that ability to go that. We shouldn't feel guilty. Rest assured of your salvation. Never doubt your salvation, okay? You can, you can examine that. You're called to look at that. But when, you, when you're a child of God, you know that, okay? So this is not, we're not talking about when you fall out of love with your brothers and sisters that you've lost your salvation. You have the salvation. Live that way, okay? It hit me, as we talk about all the time, when you're preparing a message, when you spend weeks and you're deep into that word and you're really focused on that, God uses that time to speak mostly to the pastor and the rest of you just get to have a part of that. But God speaks deeply to the pastor as he prepares this message and as you're preparing in the message going forward. But it hit me, there's a lot of, there's some weaknesses in my life that I wonder why Oh, I have this. We're not talking about major sin. It's sin because it's not trusting God, but it's not a major nasty sin. It's just some self-discipline, some areas where I'm just not, not experiencing victory over the areas I want to experience. And it hit me this week as far as it's not because it's not there. It's not because I have to do something else. It's a matter of I have to have the faith that God loves me and God wants what's best, okay? It's a matter of having the faith in the Spirit to trust in that. Do I have that? Do I have the power within me? Yes, I have the power within me to do these things well, to do these things right. And it's just a matter of having faith and believing in that. So I'm going to call you this week to understand that. Look, in, look inside your heart. Find those things that you're falling maybe a little short on. Examine that and say, if, if this is what God has commanded me to do, then I, my obedience to that will show my love of God. And you have that victory already. It's not a matter of can I gain victory over sin or can I gain victory over this area? You've already got it. Exercise your faith to believe that you have it and go forward, okay? So I want you to do that this week. I also want you to love the body of Christ, okay? Now, we're gonna see this victory in Christ in a little different way. Um, at least for me, maybe some of you I want you to look a little different at your brothers and sisters. Take a quick glance now. Look to your left, look to your right, in front of you, behind you. 
recognizing the brothers and sisters, your body of Christ right here. As you see them, you know them, you know them pretty well, you need to know them better. But I want you to, to look on them now. When you, when you see them again later today, when you see them next time, when you see them downstairs at the meal, when you think about them, when you pray for them, think about looking at your brothers and sisters the way God sees them. Let's see them the way the Father sees them, okay? Think about your brother and sister the way God sees them. What does God look upon when he sees me? Does he look upon this sinner who is saved and now his child, but does he see this long list of sins behind me that Christ's love has covered? No. When God looks upon me, he sees the righteousness of his son, Jesus Christ. That righteousness has been imbued on me. My sin is gone. Christ has paid for it, destroyed it, has victory over the death of that sin. So that sin is gone. God the Father is able to look on me and see Christ. That's how I'm going to be able to enter into heaven and have fellowship with the Father and the Son and the Spirit only because of the righteousness of Christ upon me. Not myself, not my goods, not the lack of sin, not my tapering off of sin. None of that's going to be available. None of that sin remnant's coming with me to heaven. Only a glorified, a glorified body of Dan Carter will be in heaven within the Father's face, okay? That's what's going to heaven. That's what'll be there when the finished product is going to be a glorified body that can stand in the presence of God and be able to stand in the presence of God, to be able to see a glorified brother Christ. That's what's going to see. So, look at each other that way. Let's see a preview of what we're going to see in heaven. We're spending eternity with each other, whether we like it or not. We're going to love each other for eternity. Eternity is a long time. We're going to see the righteousness of Christ on each one of us. We're going to see the glorified, perfected body on each one of us. Why wait? So I exhort you today, and I admonish you today, let's love each other in a way, let's be looking forward. Let's, let's have a little bit of heaven here on earth by loving each other the way, looking at each other and seeing Christ on each other, not seeing my faults, not seeing the things I do wrong, not being exasperated with me. Look on me and see Christ and love me that way. Not as any emotion, but a thing that you're called to do. Let's love each other that way at Bull Street. What would it look like if Bull Street loved each other that well when God brings lost people to our congregation? They will say, hey, these people are different. Something's up with these people. And that's what it is. Why wait? Why wait to heaven to love each other that way? Let's look upon this thing. Be an overcomer of the world. Experience victory. Participate in this victory by loving each other the way God loves us and by doing that only through the work of the Holy Spirit, asking God to be able to allow us to see our brothers and sisters the way he sees them, okay? That'll make a difference. I can guarantee you that'll make a difference in our lives, it'll make a difference in this world and we need to move forward with that. There's no need to wait to treat each other like we're in heaven. We can do that now. The world's gonna drag us down, there's gonna be stumbling blocks experience the victory that Christ has already won for us. And if you don't know this victory, if you're sitting here today and this just doesn't make a lot of sense to you, it's kind of like, mm, I've heard those all before. I don't feel that. Why, you know, I, 
If you're lost today, if you don't have the love of God in you, then come see us. Let us walk you through the scriptures and show you how you too can be saved, how the gift of faith can be given to you and you can participate in this victory, okay? Maybe the Holy Spirit's working on you now. Maybe you've been thinking about it a little bit. Come see one of the pastors. Come see one of us. We'd love to be able to sit down with you, walk you through the scriptures and show you how this is freely given and how it's going along. It makes a difference and you too can experience a part of this victory. So in a moment, we're going to have our hymn of response. We're gonna have our, singer, our song of response here. And that is just what it says. How are you gonna respond? How are you gonna to respond today to what God has said to you? My mouth has been running. I've been saying words, but this Holy Spirit has been talking to each of you believers because you're children of God and you have that Holy Spirit in you. God has been talking to each one of you here today. Are you listening? Is there something you need to commit to? Do you need to commit your life? Do you need to change a little bit? You can come pray at the altar. You can pray right where you are. You can come see somebody else if you want somebody to pray with you. There are people that will love to pray with you, be able to come along, but respond to what God has said to you. Don't just let it sit there. We're going to sing, and we want you to respond to what God has said to you. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we do just, we ask that you become real to us. We, we ask that we're able to experience this victory so well that we are changed and different. Father, I pray that as we walk out the door today that, that we won't be the same as when we walked in this morning. Father, break us. Help us to see that when we hold on to that guilt, it's only because we're holding on to the guilt that we have experienced the victory, that you've placed the righteousness of Christ upon us, and we've, you've placed his victory over death and sin on us as well. Help us to live differently. Help us to love one another so differently that we will compel people to come and see your love here at Bull Street. So, Father, we, as, we, as we do this this morning, we pray that we can respond to you in whatever way you are calling us to respond. We thank you for your love. We thank you for your son, Jesus, and we thank you for the victory that was won. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.